if you're ready or not, better buckle up your belt because we are starting a new trip down the rabbit hole with Carl Baldwin. How are you? I'm fine, Rafa. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm ready to start this new episode of Rise of the Machines. This is the second episode and we're going to talk about the science of artificial intelligence, all the concepts that uh, we will be talking and like last week, we have our special guest with us, Professor Horiapop, which is Professor of Computer Science of the uh, Babesh Boya University in Cluj-Napoca, in Transylvania, in Romania. <laughs> thank you very much for inviting Welcome me. Welcome so much, and thank you for coming today with us. It's a privilege to be here today. And here we go. Where should we be starting the topic, Carl? Well, I thought maybe we should ask Horia to give the listeners a very brief, if possible, description or comparison between what is generally regarded as weak AI and strong AI. So, Horio, do you? Uh, yeah, well, um, the specific difference between these two is, well, the strong artificial intelligence is what we actually see more or less in science fiction movies. The uh, thing that we are afraid of. The goal of strong artificial intelligence is to develop artificial intelligence to the point where the machine's intellectual capability is functionally equal to a human's. Okay. So that that is actually that um, artificial intelligent being that travels in time and does all sorts of things that create uh, populations, sentient populations that are afraid of humans or humans are afraid of them and so on and so forth. Now, on the other side, the weak artificial intelligence is a research field. Is there is a research that is actually happening today. Is the purpose of creating non-sentient computer intelligence to uh, create um, uh, artificial intelligence that is focused on one specific and narrow task. And, and are there examples of that actually in the environment that we're using already? Yes, yes. Uh, whatever we do, when, uh, if, even the science fiction movies, hmm. um, uh-huh. whenever you, you look, wherever you look, you see examples of uh, tasks done using artificial intelligence means mm-hmm. or techniques mm-hmm. or even if it's not so spectacular mm-hmm. but it's visible it's there it's in everyday use mm-hmm. and uh, we are going to see a little bit to discuss a little bit to cover a little bit of of uh, of uh, examples and see what's happening inside and um, where this force of artificial intelligence actually comes from. Okay. The huge point is that uh, while it's a science in itself, uh, it has very strong connections with a couple of other fields of research from computer science and from mathematics. Mm -hmm. And and, um, like statistics, like... um, mathematical logic like um, graph theory and, and uh, so on and so forth and like it does big data come into this as well yes data mining all this yeah. stuff yes yeah so that is a brief uh-huh. a brief uh, examples of or difference differences between 
Weak and strong artificial intelligence. Yeah, so basically, strong artificial intelligence uh-huh. is merely a glint in someone's eye at the moment. Yes. But the one that we find in our everyday life is weak artificial intelligence. Very right? weak, presumably. Yes. No, well, but it's. I wouldn't call it very weak because it's still spectacular. Of course. But it's not. Uh, um, the threat that we see and yeah. that we imagine it's not something of a sentient nature mm-hmm. and here uh, here it actually comes the purpose of research Funda- fundamentally it has been a point to understand how humans do things that they consider intelligent mm-hmm. And this has been the concern. What we do, uh, we do search. We optimize um, uh, our search and our uh, activities. Um, we reason around uh, in terms of mathematical reasoning or in terms of everyday reasoning. Uh, we plan activities. Uh, we learn. Uh, we speak. Uh, we write. We perceive things. Uh, all of these are automatical from our point of view. Right. But there are activities that once we understand how we do it, how we do them, and why uh, uh, we do them in this way, we might be able to write computer programs mm-hmm. and algorithms that are able to uh, achieve the same things. But these are huge challenges, aren't they? These are huge challenges. Especially the yeah. more subtle yes. elements yes. of human behavior. Yes, yeah. Right. Uh, at, at first point, you have the proof of concept that that thing is actually possible, mm. and then you start evolving into faster, better, mm. more data, um, distributed uh, computing, and so on and, and so forth. Yes, because uh, something I read was that there's a a kind of, shall we say, a misconception, kind of a loose in in the web, shall we say. Uh, which is that we will we currently don't have sufficient uh, computing power to actually create a strong artificial intelligence that it needs another step in the hardware um, sciences to get the right um, structures to give us the speeds that are going to be needed. Um, do you think that? It, it, there is some truth in that, or well, uh, yes, it might be more than that. Um, it might be that our desire to create a uh, strong artificial intelligence is based on the idea that intelligence is something mechanical or electrical or somehow mm. replicable using mm. technology. Mm. Uh, if that's the case, then uh, another yeah. level of memory, resources, and so on would be enough. But it's not. If it, this is not the case, then we have a problem because that we have to understand first. Because there is a school of thought uh-huh. that yes. intelligence is an emergent behavior, isn't it? And yes. that if if you simply have something with enough, shall we say, logical connections in it, and certain. Mm-hmm. In, in inputs or um, stimulations, well, ta- intelligence will yes. emerge from it. Take, for instance, classifier systems. You n- n- cannot design a system to learn from one example. Right. You always need a testing data. Oh. Mm-hmm. You need then um, to, to work on it and, and to, to devise the system that recognizes that. Mm. And you need to validate that and, and work so far. 
No. Take a three years old kid. Yeah. Show me, show him a table, mm-hmm. square table mm-hmm. with four feet. Mm-hmm. Tell this guy that's a table, and you show next day a round thing with three feet. Mm. It's go- he's going to recognize the table, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, him uh, let a, a kid uh, hear his parents discussing, uh, speaking some nasty words. Mm-hmm. He's going to notice the context, mm-hmm. the, go- the emotion, the maybe. emotion, and he's going to replicate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. nasty thing in the same emotional mm-hmm. context, like pattern matching. Yes, kind of stuff. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So apparent, apparently, when we, we uh, uh, get born, uh, our mind is not empty. Our mind is already cabled. Well, there's kind of uh-huh. like a, there's a, a template of some kind. Yes, yeah. Something is definitely, mm. yeah. Mm. Some kind of. Yeah. yeah. That's like saying that other than those seven years from home, uh, another relevant point is the 500 years before that. Right. But but is that, is that if there is this templating, is that a kind of an evolutionary, a survival mechanism to make... Um, to achieve independence as quickly as possible, yes, you need you need a kind of ba- a primer, don't you? It's the closest that we have to genetic memory because humans do not have genetic memory. Well, allegedly, yeah. Yeah, well, um, at least any generation needs to redo their mistakes. We don't learn from and we're pretty, not even from mistakes that we do. We're pretty but, good at that, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is one yes. thing we excel at as a species. Of, of course. Re- <laughs> repetition <laughs> of pattern mistakes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, uh, one example, the, that uh, deep blue machine that right. defeated Garry Kasparov in, oh. in that um, uh-huh. um, um, chess, oh, chess game in 1996. That's a typical weak artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's a black box, a huge computer, mm. huge speed, mm. huge power, access to to all the history of, of every move, every everything, yeah. every opening, every uh-huh. and, and with very performant machine learning algorithms. Mm. But that's all. It doesn't do French fries. Well, it's exactly, exactly. It, yeah. yes, and yeah, exactly. It's and, super specialized. Yes, yes. exactly. And, yes. This, and yeah. this takes me takes me to the point that you were uh, telling us or and write and wrote for today. The problems of weak AI. What are those problems? And what are the techniques or the methods used by weak AI? Uh, These are uh, first about the the problems, the problematics. Uh, There are large uh, uh, categories, large classes of issues that are studied and that uh, ultimately appear in everyday life activities. Uh So they are associated to this. Um, Our ability to reason, reasoning and problem solving. So that's a line that goes towards automated reasoning that's a line that goes to uh, to um, the ability to to uh, generate uh, proofs in a manner that humans agree uh, take for instance um, uh, all sorts of expert um, uh, machines uh, systems um, uh, on the medical side you are not going to to believe uh, 
an automated reasoning system by saying this and that. You, mm -hmm. It has to have a formal proof because of medical mm -hmm. Uh, reasoning behind uh, issues about on uh, knowledge representation uh, as, uh, as one of the problems with huge data is that it's huge mm. uh -huh. so you need all these mechanisms to to put the things to in order boil yes. it down yeah yeah uh, go forward with all planning with that planning has as well prediction inside it uh, boil down uh, learning we learn all the time we mm. have all sorts of uh, heuristics uh, we have mm -hmm. uh, we learn by following objective functions and we, we, and we yeah. have a fantastic ability to actually filter out the irrelevant don't we yes yeah, uh, yeah. how do we do that again we, we learn we have this this point of learning uh, with um, um, Penalties when you are mistaken with mm. rewards, Rewards reward based. Yeah, mm. yeah. The, the, this is a very effective mm. uh, way to control to control the things. Mm. Uh, we write. We recognize our handwriting, mm. even if uh -huh. it's ugly. Mm. We distinguish between, for, uh, for instance, capital A mm. and let and the uh, number seventeen, mm. Mm. or between capital B. And number 13, hmm. in, in a very robust way. We have a robustness that, yes. that we have to, to understand how it works. How we do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or spoken, uh, spoken language as well. Uh, Accents, dialects. Difference between British and American pronunciation, for instance, and it's only English. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. And, and so on and so forth. There are... Um, our body, the way the uh, um, our work, hands, our hands uh, work with these inflection points, mm. the way we have we, so we support on our feet when, when we yeah. we walk. Mm. Fact, and these the, are extremely complex. A few the, the walk, degrees the, of freedom. Yes, it was the movement of walking yeah. mm -hmm. is such a complex movement. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Coming from yeah. the feet that is not mm -hmm. going flat, yeah. actually. Yes, yeah. Well, in fact, the very... Goes lateral like this and yeah. tip up. And mm -hmm. It's a complex move. Very complex. In fact, it's interesting to look at that DARPA challenge. You know the DARPA mm -hmm. challenge of robotics? Yes. That uh, the, the most commonly used robot is this Atlas robot that uh -huh. happens to be a company owned by uh -huh. our friends at Google, right? But let's, uh -huh. not, let's not overdo mm -hmm. that one. But that... Atlas robot is advanced. Uh -huh. This damn thing falls over at the slightest. As soon as it gets into a situation where obviously it has no points of reference, it just keels over. Yes. <laughs> and, it, and it has to get back up again. <laughs> it is unbelievable that it has such a limited range of functionality. And as you say, obviously it's a complex area, yes. isn't it? And uh, being able to actually create the <coughs> the maths and the, uh, the mathematical analysis the, the of mechanics what inside, the hell is yeah. going on and, and translate that into mechanical uh, yeah. knowledge and uh, so on is, is unbelievable. Yeah. In, we so will, but basically what, what is happening here is to, to try to, to understand. And ultimately all of these are together part of a... Strong AI because you recognize yeah. the bits the and components, pieces. right? Yes. Yeah. But before uh -huh. going there, we have to, to hmm. put Develop everything separate, in order. Right? And, yeah, yeah. And in fact, is it not the case, I think, Horia, that uh, there are around the globe 
probably hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more, being spent from industry to academia to um, in, um, industrial and military research, individually addressing these areas. Yes, definitely. But currently, for example, there is no common framework within which these could be integrated, is there? Well, it's possible that it's too early. Well, I, I appreciate yeah. that. But yeah, so the, the point is that uh, we, we uh, with most of these, we are in the proof of concept phase. Right. I mean, it's something to um, automatic translator translation, for instance, mm. uh, spoken language to spoken language. Mm. It's something that works good enough to show that it can be done yeah. and to, to require allocation of resources to do it better, right. but not good enough to fire your human translator when you of do course. a business trip somewhere. Of course. But at yeah. some, but at some yes. point, presumably, yes. there is going to have to be the evolution or the development of it effectively, if we talk about robots, mm -hmm. bi yes. bipedal yeah. robots particularly, there's probably going to have to be some kind of operating system, isn't there? Yes, yeah. And, and currently... I don't think anybody's doing that, are they, really? Yes, of course, yeah. They've all got their own individual, probably mostly running on no, it, it's, it's a swell, <laughs> It's a swell of a, a matter. It might be, in some cases, a matter of human understanding of the possibility. Mm -hmm. i give you one example. 1965, Professor Lot Zadeh, University of California at Berkeley, created Fuzzy Logic. Mm -hmm. uh, he's uh, Iranian, uh, born in Tehran, um, lived then in Azerbaijan and then moved to the United States. He created this concept of fuzzy sets, right? A generalization of the concept of crisp sets, uh, binary logic as we know, to a logic to the interval 0, 1. So the things are no longer absolutely true or absolutely false. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, we have metals with non-metallic properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, for example, and um, the first uh, community, world community to fully understand what's happening and why this is a huge idea mm. was Japan, right. not the United States. Uh -huh. and, and, and what 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 were they trying to use it for? The first application that, that they uh, that uh, appeared that was um, um, used in industry was the fuzzy controller as a controlling device to control a particular engine. Or, uh, and that was used for the control of uh, washing machines. A so, very noble application. Yeah. And whatever we have... They were calling you, you it go, the fossil logic uh, you go, controller. You, yeah, you go now to stores and you see fuzzy logic, yeah. fuzzy logic. That's, that, that's a very robust mechanism to device, to, to get uh, output out of a database of rules uh, spoken in plain natural language, like uh, if John is tall mm. and, uh, or if the pedal is pressed nicely and the speed is small, then you should do something else. Mm. And, Bring the powder yeah, in. Or, yeah. So the, the whole uh, logic of such if-then-else sentences right. is transformed into mathematics. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. For, uh, get get, get uh, uh, mathematical meaning out of a phrase like almost one third of the red cars from the parking lot are, I don't know. Toyotas or whatever. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So yeah. th that's, that's very interesting how 
um, our understanding of the problems uh, map on uh, our ability to uh, or, or our um, on, uh, on the past. So, so basically, these are all technical disciplines that are yeah. yes. effectively encompassing a human characteristic yes. or yeah. behavior or yes. something or other. So they are the academic equivalents of our bodily yeah mind functions yeah. uh, or well, uh, body this functions is, or, this is where this is where it actually started yeah it's yeah. like an, it's, it's yeah. the anatomy of the human yes. in in mathematical well, or take take different research topics and techniques from uh, that that are part of ai um Association rules, for instance. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh-huh. You've been to all sorts of of uh, web stores, and they see there if you people that bought this bought, bought as well that. As well yeah. that yeah. Yeah. This or is because exact- you bought this, we recommend you yeah. this. This yeah. is or, or this is exactly artificial uh, associated rules mining. You right. get association yeah. rules like that. People uh, have uh, uh, the purpose if to is to get information on the buy of the uh, buying baskets of the people. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. based on that, people used to arrange the things in stores in one way or another. Right. right. So right. this is this is one point. The neural networks, artificial neural networks, mm-hmm. uh, simple feed forward or recurrent or more flexible architectures that are like black box machines right. that are are able to confirm that a certain association between an input and an output mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. So with this, what we are going to create is an approximator, a, a box that is able to create an approximation right. function without uh, having the analytical description, mm-hmm. but the function anyway, to... Uh, Produce the best output considering best a certain match, input, kind of best thing. match, which yeah, is of yeah. course analogous to what we do all the time, isn't it? Yes, except that you put more uh, neurons in your brain and you mm. become smarter. You put more neurons in an artificial neural network, more than required, and you get overfitting. Right. Yeah, it's exactly what I said. Was about to ask you about the neural networks. Yeah, how how would they be different from a human neural network? Well, the human neural network is is extraordinarily redundant, uh-huh. and that's that's one uh, one problem. Um, the typical uh, neural network that we work with, uh, that it's tr- uh, taught in in uh, in schools and is the basis of of this, is the fit forward. It's uh, simple, straightforward. Well, the the things get more complex as you add. Uh, recurrence there right and uh, with this indeed but, but that uh, that means um, issues of time and power and parallel processing and and yeah right so is that is the name it's always confused me the name neural network is it misnamed really or, or not no uh, it's not uh, i mean the, the the real question is is our brain the thinking machine if yes then we can replicate it. Well, if our, not, then... But is our brain a neural network? Yes, it is. Right. But again, is the thinking machine? Right. That's a question. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. If we think, uh, if that's the thinking machine, if this is where the new ideas come from, 
because what we have with um, the neural network, the artificial network, neural network is again a function approximator. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, to be clear here, there are three categories of function approximators that are all studied in, in artificial intelligence and they have their pros and cons. Um, the purpose is, again, have some input, have some output, mm -hmm. create something that... Um, produces that creates the, the um, uh, link between that input and that output. And mm -hmm. based on that, you have the possibility to predict mm -hmm. future output based on future input. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, there, is, uh, there are regression methods. The regression methods start from a model. We know that the data that we have has a certain pattern. Mm -hmm. We have that model written as an equation with a parameterized equation. We have to detect to produce the best parameters such that. Right. That's uh, one direction that very used in um, uh, robust or not, falsified or not, very used in, in natural science uh, research. Then is the artificial neural network where we do not have an analytical model, but any continuous function may be predicted in this way uh, by a black box machine uh, with, uh -huh. in, in, uh, in this manner. And then we have a class of genetic of evolutionary algorithms called genetic programming, where the purpose mm -hmm. of the algorithm is to produce the best program. Right. Now, in order for that to work, the programs will not be devised in regular programming languages, but they are going to be devised as trees, as expressions like trees. The advantage of such construct is that your ability to take parts of the subtrees and mix them lead mm -hmm. to valid trees, right. which are valid expressions and so forth. With this, you create as well not only the a black box, but you create the best program, right. the best expression to match your problem. So it so it it evolves towards the optimum solution. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And what would be uh, real life examples of those types? Those of types. Yes. Are they out there? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, for instance, let's take them one by one. Mm. Um, Issues on association rules we discussed, we have seen uh, here and there, everywhere around. Methods around um, neural networks and, uh, and um, these are used in um, research, in uh, uh, natural sciences experiments uh, around uh, the idea of uh, um, getting... Um, um, predicted results for for a particular class of data. Uh, for instance, uh, you have a botanical garden or uh, some other context where there is a certain uh, quantity of information that you want to put in order in terms of uh, attributes and such, and uh, or hospitals with people with. And um, with this, you have new entry, new input. So treatment data or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, these are uh, these are plain uh, plain common. Uh, you have then uh, classification versus clustering problems. Uh, these are two quite common issues. On one side, with clustering, clustering is uh, uh, not non-informed. You only have the 
data set, a huge data as a cloud, as a right. set of clouds. The point is to be able to produce the best cluster substructure, the best way to see, uh, to group this data in such a way that two data items in the same class are more similar right. than two data items in different classes. Mm. Now, similar, what does it mean similar? Mm -hmm. If you take two pictures uh -huh. with some sceneries, uh, you might be uh, no you might notice as relevant information the fact that one is seaside the other one is mountain mm -hmm. but an automated system if it's not trained correctly might take the simple uh, pixel to pixel difference and we'll see okay these are similar because it's sunny in both Right. That are dissimilar because this is sunny and that is cloudy. Right. So right. Uh, that leads to getting the best um, characteristics, the best features out of um, such uh, such an image. There are uh, methods that on the line of principal component analysis that aim to detect to to get the most important features out of right. of uh, of such a, a system. Um, classification on the other side is on par with the neural networks. Neural networks are classifiers. A classification system is labeled. You have the input data mm -hmm. labeled with the output class. Right. And the point is to train that system in such a way that that input data is recognized as being part of that output class. Mm -hmm. And as you come with the new data, you are going to be able to associate its relevant class. Right. Where class can, be, can mean a category of species or subspecies for, for the botanical garden example, mm -hmm. or it might mean a particular illness. So if it's a medical condition, mm -hmm. yeah. So that is the kind of network where you have the output classifications and potentially you might tweak the network yes. as you push data at it to make it correctly classify the yeah. input data yes. as the right And you are interested class. in speed, you are interested right. in, yeah, yes. Right, so it depends mm -hmm. on the application, doesn't yes. it, which, yes. which one you use. Yes, yes, of course. Right. Yeah. Wow. Rafa. Well, uh, we move now to what could be some of the economic drivers for uh, artificial intelligence or robotic development. Okay. What indeed? What could be now? Are you asking me? Yes. Oh, you right. or Ahoria, whoever would like to answer. Whoever would. Okay, I let me uh, start that off. Um, I think what we can see is that in economies generally, certainly in developed economies, there are certain kind of drivers that are pushing development down certain paths. And for example, in most developed economies, there is, as we most people will know, a demographic time bomb that is slowly cooking, which is that because of all our wonderful medical technology, um, and disease eradication and nutritional improvements mm -hmm. that people are living way longer <coughs> people are living way longer than they used to live they require extensive medical care into old age 
And the problem is that because the population is becoming um, distorted in the proportion of older people to younger people, there aren't going to be enough um, people of working age to actually look after those old people. So there is a <coughs> there is a huge uh, incentive to develop, for example, uh, robotic care assistants. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this is being driven largely from Japan, where they have just about yeah. the worst demographic. It's horrendous. It's something like in 2050, uh, the majority of the Japanese population will be over 64 or something. Wow. Um, and they just, because they have a very low birth rate, yeah. they, they don't let people into their country normally. You know, there's very few foreigners living in in Japan, and they have to solve this problem. And I think it's the particularly the driver behind, like the Asimo robot. You know, Asimo, the mm-hmm. little bipedal robot. Now, it's not; it is independent, but uh, it hasn't got the um, the smarts required to do the job because, of course, that work's being done elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You, you had you were going to say something, uh, yeah. Um, uh, up to that point, uh, I do believe that it's a huge economic incentive towards uh, continuing uh, um, research in, in uh, whatever AI means, uh, putting in order automatic translators, mm. for instance, mm-hmm. lead to advanced uh, to more incentives towards travel in other areas mm-hmm. with languages that you are not familiar of. Sure, yes. yes. And with, with graphical letters that are uncommon for you and you are completely mm. lost. It lowers cultural yeah. barriers, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah. like going yeah. to China or something like that and you don't exactly. know Chinese. It's, yeah. it, you are absolutely You will lost. never be able anymore to be scared to travel there because you don't know the language. Or... Exactly, yeah. Yes. yes. As long as the technology works yeah, and yeah. doesn't rely on yes. Wi-Fi or... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, on one side, on the other side, uh, as long, as soon as uh, banks, for instance, have full... Uh, their complete set of tools to detect out behavior outliers... Mm. That is the customers that ex- that do uh, that have um, uh, abnormal behavior spending with respect to their spending mm-hmm. habits mm-hmm. and such. Uh, that's going to to uh, uh, lead to a faster reaction in mm. such cases, mm. and to a, a, a prediction ability to allow mm. people more freedom on the other or, side. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So uh, all these um, as soon as. Uh, well, this is not a matter of control, mm. because this is not a point. Introducing more uh, instruments to allow someone to control someone mm. else. Well, that is a side effect, isn't it? Yes, but it, it's it, it it's not... actually not. It's uh, it's a side effect, but it's not a point, mm. because uh, the. Um, uh, this has been uh, discussed at some point in the U.S. that uh, machine control is not control. Mm. Mm-hmm. Control is whomever controls the machine at the other end. True, but 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 if, <laughs> yeah. if you consider if you consider, for example, in banking, yes. um, I'm sure that at some point 
we will no longer see... Obviously, we already have ATM machines. Yes. At some point, we still have... If you go into a bank, we still have um, tellers, you know, ladies or men sat behind a counter. At some point, they are going to disappear, right? And we're going to be faced with a machine that does mm-hmm. a perfectly good job of having a conversation with us and doing yes. whatever we want. But, but... The difference is, in my mind, is that when that is a human person interacting with me across the counter, that teller, that person I'm interacting with in the bank, that is the bank's employee, although he is the bank's or she is the bank's employee, their private thoughts about me are their own. Whereas if that teller becomes an, an artificial entity that artificial entity's private thoughts are the property of the bank. Mm-hmm. Does an artificial entity have private thoughts? Not in the current way we view this kind of thing. But uh, so yes, when yeah, you when yeah. you when you yes, but, uh, for instance, I'm thinking of a different issue. It's one thing to um, uh, one of the problems with uh, with credit card uh, mm. uh, use is the possibility of your credit card information to be stolen stolen yeah. and used in a different other space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's done automatically, if this detection is done automatically, mm-hmm. and if it's somehow linked to your current position because you, you have a mobile phone that is registered as a mobile phone with a bank as well, they know that that's not possible to be you because that's mm-hmm. there and this mm-hmm. one is here and some sort of measures can be taken sooner rather than later. Of course, but this is always a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because, yes, yes. because on the one hand you say, oh, that's a, um, that is, a, that is a, a good, that is a good thing. On the other hand, me as an individual, I may not want the bank to know that I'm doing this or that, or I'm here or I'm there. Yes, What's it course. got to do with the bank? It's my private stuff. Of course. So, yes. Yes, so there are, there are always issues of civil liberties, aren't there? Yes, yes. And yes, it's not true. and it's not all about what's good for the bank, what's good for the telecoms provider, what's mm-hmm. good for the tax authority. We we are individuals, and we have some. Yeah. Surely we do have some right to privacy. Do we not? Yes, but our DNA is already individualized with serial numbers inside, right? <laughs> Uh, we, we so did, our creator already we did that program that. three weeks ago so. oh, okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway one of, mm. one of the points I'd like to make about um, mm. um, developing AI encroaching AI capabilities is its effect in terms of in free market capitalism which most of the world lives in one form or another of it be it a distorted form because there are lots of distorted yes. forms of it. Um, what clearly we're going to face in the next 30 years is encroaching and displacement of humans in uh, semi and skilled tasks. And that is going to lead to increasing unemployment. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's one of the biggest fears always, right? I have a better question for you. Uh-huh. Okay, go ahead. What was the evolution of humanity in terms of creating, constructing, building tools? 
we started with uh, stone manufacturing stones mm. using stones then manufacturing stones as knives mm-hmm. then we constructed um, the tools of wood and such or bronze was next yeah, bronze, to, to, bronze age. to to help us in doing our mechanical work mm-hmm. then we did something more mm. constructed machines mm-hmm. to do that thing instead of us mm-hmm. again for mechanical for physical labor uh, we started um, delegating then mm-hmm. a little bit of intellectual work mm-hmm. we don't write by hand mm. we use writing devices mm-hmm. uh, it might be that sooner rather than later we are delegating so much uh-huh. then um, um, What's remaining to be considered as human activity? Then? Procreation, I Procre- say. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you sure that that's going to be a human activity? Remember we talked... Uh, I'm going to start the protest movement now. We talk- <laughs> Procreation for humans. Yes, yeah. We talked about the subject uh, a couple of weeks ago or something uh-huh. like that. About the Chinese machines for ex- extracting sperm from humans. Wow. Remember? That's right. And that used in turn for uh, in vitro fertilization. Yeah, in vitro stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, once again. But they've mechanicalized it. They've <laughs> automated it, right? Well. Is there nothing sacred? Would you go, for example, would you consider that an artificial intelligence? Because you have you can regulate in those machines... The speed, the sensation, the mm-hmm. everything, and they may have. Yeah, well, a, I would a, call a that blatant commercialism. You. Yeah, I'd call that blatant commercialization. <laughs> but <laughs> so that that uh, that but, this this might might be a problem. But then, um, if you have nothing else to do well, as a human, yeah. Well, that this is my question, in fact, because. Um, I think something that is seriously going to have a this is going to have a societal impact it's going to actually affect society because um with increased encroachment of these intelligent systems into uh semi-skilled and skilled jobs for example I read that um it wouldn't be that difficult to replace a lawyer right because all they really do is what is a lawyer good at basic or a solicitor or a, an advocate whatever you call them yeah really all they're doing is looking all they can do is remember stuff right it's just books full of rules and this and that and the other and they just pluck out pluck well, out the right probably rules probably the key is interpreting those rules or trying to use them for yeah. situations right i don't think that's a big problem well, I'm afraid of something more than that. Uh, one of the l- most recent news in our media said that uh, countries started are going to start replacing uh, writing human uh, mechanical writing hand handwriting skills. Uh-huh. You mean kids. learning, not learning it? Yeah, with uh, tablets, learning and something. This is already it, there's something like five states in the US. Wow. Have have dropped the basic requirement to learn uh-huh. to write with a pen or a pencil 
in school. And like we were mentioning, what's uh, going to happen with uh, humanity then? Exactly, and I have a better question. Or, or, or a, what, he's, always war, got, he's always got a better question. Yeah, yeah uh, or a worse, uh, worse uh, question. What's going to... Uh, well, um, in case of a uh, of a uh, electromagnetic bomb, or EMP, even an X-flare, humanity, or as we know it, it's going to cease to exist. An EM because pulse. we are not going to be able to use handwriting. As such, we are not going to be able to um, spell correctly mm. a sentence, grammatically mm. correct. Mm. Uh, we are going to depend on, on these devices for all that we do. Mm. We are not going to have a handwritten agenda and so on. We go to the dark ages. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, yes. but, but that it, probably it's the kind of reset that this planet probably needs, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, if it's about the planet, it's not strong enough. Well, the, pr the problem is that there's, there's too many of us now... In another 30 years, there's going to be way too many of us. So at some point, something's got to get reset somewhere. So maybe this is the kind of thing that will do it. Yes, uh, and the problem is that yeah. uh, this magnetic uh, problem, uh, yes. uh, this problem is not only with bombs. Yeah. We live near Solar our events, star, right? yeah. which has uh, flares, yeah. and he, it, it's capable of throwing a higher... Uh, level of flare. Yeah. But you've got to bear in mind that a flare of that size would probably bake the rest of us anyway. If it was enough mm. to knock out technology like this, sat on this no, table. Actually, uh, that would be a higher level one. But uh, I think was the X one is the one that will wipe out all devices. I think we would certainly have a suntan. Uh, but mm, probably, I don't know. Uh, maybe we will be able to survive. Mm. Maybe we'll be in a kind of. Math Max world, but still, without cars, without electronics, without internet. Yeah, but apples would still work. Well, the Apple iPad, that would still work, wouldn't it? Uh, and no, the phone, the iPhone? No, what? No, Seriously? Come on. For as long as you have energy there, that's all. And not even that. And even then, only as a nightlight. <laughs> well, the, the, the best, the best, <laughs> the best uh, thing that we are going to have then there is... Our human understanding mm -hmm. of what makes us humans. And this is where the whole artificial intelligence thing actually started mm. as an effort to understand our humanity. And we're not much nearer to understanding, are we, really? No, of course. Of course not. Of course not. It, it, just to, just to one of my points I wanted to cover was that in again, developed economies, and I think it's pretty sure even in the few remaining kind of communist societies or totalitarian regimes, there is a an, kind of an unspoken covenant between the citizens and the people who rule them, yes. which is that for my willingness to ob obey the laws of the country and behave in a civilised way... The social contract. The social contract. You, mm -hmm. you, Mr. Government, will provide a job for me. Now, what happens when we get this massive encroachment of these technologies and being unemployed is the new normal? What does, what does that do to society? Does it, does it unglue society? Or, or is well, it the race of communism? <laughs> I, I, 
Over to you. I don't know. The one of the examples of communist societies is, of course, Star Trek. No money. Everybody <laughs> works for fun, for their personal enrichment. That's, I'm sorry, typical communist society. Well, I think it's, it's, the, it's, it's going back to the very original concepts of it, not how it was actually done. Yes, of, yeah. That was a good bleep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I think there's a few yeah. few hundred million people going to test to that one. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, mm. I agree. But but that um, requires well, okay, uh, a benign uh, what, government. What, what, would, what would be required? Uh, the energy problem. Let us assume that the energy issue is solved. Fusion Somehow, or something, yeah. Right? And uh, if if there is no um, reasonable cost behind the energy, mm. from that point on, there is no basic issue. I'd like to point out that no, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Well, yes, of but, course. Yeah, but, but beyond that, there is no such thing as a free atomic energy source, and, yeah. that, and that is that I clearly. Because uh, I was around at the time when the atomic energy plants were first built uh, for civilian use for power generation, that how it was sold certainly to the people in my country and I know in the US was that electricity will be so cheap we'll be able to give it away, and we now know obviously that atomic power plants are the most expensive in terms of. Longevity yes. of costs, accumulative costs, are the most expensive way. Of, now, although fusion is sold to us as, you know, it only gives off <laughs> um, breast milk as a byproduct or something. It's mm -hmm. so benign. Yes. Yeah. You kind of know that by the time they're finished with it, it's probably going to be the same as, but different to uh, fission atomic energy. So... Okay, let us go with your premise. Let us say somehow we discover a way of generating cheap power. What else do we need? Uh, that would solve actually the issues. It wouldn't because the the, the funda fundamental problem of the world today is the cost of energy. No, it isn't. The fundamental problem of this world is how many people there are, and the fact that it's growing too fast. And if you solve the problem of energy, they are going to grow even faster. Exactly, it's mm -hmm. going to make it worse. Yeah, but uh, well, that, <laughs> well, assuming that we are free to travel in the universe, yeah. But I'm not sure that we are allowed that. That's the next. Oh, are there any uh, rules <laughs> in this game? Oh, the, you mean they may not let us spread? You mean yeah, uh -huh. just, the, we are conveyed the infection. <laughs> We you will be contained. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know what's a formal proof of extraterrestrial intelligence existing? Go the, on. The fact that they are not here. Yeah, well, yes. I've often asked myself, why would any alien intelligence ever want to come to this planet? <laughs> yes. I mean, to have some fun. I mean, why would you do it, right? Oh, my God, look at that. <laughs> look at what they're doing now. Yeah. Uh, right. One thing, I, another thing I wanted to cover was, um, and this goes back, I don't know whether you two being from different cultures are aware of this, but um, in the Industrial Revolution, obviously it started in England, in fact, <laughs> my hometown just about, um, when the introduction came of um, mechanized looms, weaving machines, 
Uh, before that point, weaving was largely what's called a cottage industry. That is, it was done yeah. in, from home. Or there'd be a village where everybody did weaving in their own homes mm-hmm. and they had a, like a little collective and they then sold the product onto a whatever. And then the uh, mechanical looms came along um, and literally wiped out that industry within the space of a decade. Now, during that period, which was about 1810 to 1815, something like that, a movement appeared and they were called the Luddites. And it's because they were they were led by a guy called Ludd, is, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to go around smashing up... Machines. Mechanical looms, right? Yeah. They were the... They were the uh, new technology of that era. Now, mm-hmm. if we throw ourselves forwards to where we are now, we have these movements like Occupy and mm-hmm. Anonymous. Are they kind of like the proto-movements that could turn into similar kinds <laughs> of things as this AI-type technology mm-hmm. starts to creep into society. Will there be a reaction? I think you can always expect that reaction. It's something that you will always expect. Because it's, of what? Too rapid a social change, something like that? Yeah. No, it's more than that. Take, take humans out of their comfort zone. Exactly. That is what humans I was resist to I, any changing. change in ah, their you know, own it's, it's comfort a kind of, it's a, it's a kind of paradox here. But, because, but you have yeah. to introduce time into that because uh-huh. if, if, if you... If there are many, many examples of change occurring over long periods of time, and it's not a problem, it's when yes. it's short, isn't it? It's yes, when it's an yes. immediate. Yeah, it's but when it's like, like I said, this is a kind of paradox because humans uh, yes, normally course. adapt very easy and fast to mm. environmental changes, situational changes, but at the same time, yeah. humans are uh, the species that yeah. resist the most. Any change that takes them out of that, like what is it, comfort zones? Well, the difference, I think... And spend more time complaining than trying to adapt to it. Yeah, yes. the, I yeah. think the difference is that we're fantastic at adapting to change when we have a sense of control. It's when we don't have a sense of control yeah. that let we me, get angry. So ask, there is change being imposed. Let me ask a thing. When credit cards, uh, when plastic cards were introduced in Romania, nineteen ninety six, something around that, right? Okay. So that there are. What was the first 20, credit card? Uh, no Romanian banks. Right. Uh, these are Mastercard, Mastercards. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, so twenty years ago, mm. right? How many transactions, ATM transactions, we have now? As an average per person per month, one, one point something per month ATM transactions. Really? You know, of course. What now? Yep. One point something ATM transactions uh-huh. per month per person. So in the average, people or uh, statement number two, aver- uh, salaries are run around date of fourteenth uh-huh. each month. Take a look at ATMs. Right. On that date, you have a like a few, huge there's line. A, there's a peak, yes. and that's it. Yeah. Because everybody so wants people, their money people out. have re- have uh, replaced the uh, salary secretary with the, the office, machine. With the machine. Hmm. Yeah. And one of the first uh, things that I was shocked was a uh, 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 literal 
um, replacement like that. Mm. The secretary has the envelope. Yeah, 10, check your 10, name. 10, 15 envelopes with cards, mm -hmm. and uh, each one had as well the uh, a, um, a paper card with the pin, right? Uh -huh. So the lady goes to ATM, puts, take the salary from the envelope, that has the same the same thing for all the. <laughs> so everyone is happy. They have cards. They have salary in banks. Yeah. yeah. I think they missed what the point they, of having what, the, like a bank account. Of course. What they have <laughs> learned out of it. Not a lot by the sounds of it. Exactly. Yeah, but that actually is a good example of a, of a change that has obviously not caused a huge reaction, has it? Can no. I end with a joke? Okay. Uh, is it a new joke? Yes, of course. As always. <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. with the new material. John goes to the bank and asks the bank officer there how much money John has in his account. Uh -huh. And that lady says, well, 10,000 lay. Okay, I want them all out. Come on, all of them. Yes, all of them. You don't let the at least five lay to keep the account open? No, I want... Okay. <laughs> Ten minutes later, John goes to the same bank officer. I want to open the account. Here are 10,000 lay. Wait a minute. Why did you get them out? Now that you want to put them back in, right. I want to check that all of them are here. <laughs> Qual okay. Quality, right? Yes, yes. This, <laughs> this, for the listeners, this is what horror is known for, is the quality of his jokes. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, how are you going to follow that? Mm -hmm. What are you going to follow that with? With uh, time to go. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's time to go for now. I, I think we're all. I think it was a fantastic show. Yeah. My eyeballs are bleeding, and so I, I think it is time to go. And and thank you very much for your invitation. Definitely, we have to invite you again. To come. Yes. Thank you. It's going to be a privilege. It's worth giving him two beers for this, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> But you will definitely have to visit again. We definitely have to have you for another topic yeah. and have a, a nice discussion again. About something else. Whatever, yes. We will see yes. what. Yes. In fact, if you would like to suggest us a topic, go down the show notes, write us a comment there, suggest, or in Facebook you can also write. Or if you want to express yourself and listen to yourself, if you approve us, just send us a voicemail in the website darkmindradio.com on the right side you just click there use any device that has a microphone and internet and you can record a three minute message to us lovely Carl see you next week actually you wouldn't because you're going to Mexico aren't you uh, you got me there <laughs> well, anyway we're going to pre have the shows ready but see you in the next topic I would have said before yes well, have, I'd just like to say from Horrier and myself, have a wonderful trip. Thank you, thank you. By the way, you're listening to this, I'm already back. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Horia. Thank you. And thank my you. name is Rafael Ruiz. Don't miss out next episode. See you next time. All names, sounds, logos and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.